It is Wednesday, February 7th, 2024. This is another live edition of Baseball Today. That is my man, Trevor Plouffe. I am Chris Rose, producer Dan, along for the ride as well as we continue into this live excursion of Baseball Today. And I got to tell you, we were so impressed with the turnout we had on day one. Let's keep it going. You are an essential part of what we do on this show and with this streaming company. And we can't wait to hear their voices because someday that will happen as well, Plouffe. Yes, we're going to figure some stuff out. I think uh, one of our main chat contributors, Fayo, has reached out and kind of offered us uh, a lifeline there. So we'll see, because uh, that is an integral part of our show. The community is what makes this show. No question about it. Uh, we had a couple of huge stories break over the last 24 hours, so let's get to it. It has now been named Jose Altuve Day down in Houston. I think it's just been Jose Altuve Decade pretty much down there in Houston, Texas. Uh, he's got an extension that'll make him an Astro for life. Another five years, 125 million. It doesn't kick in until 2025. Um, the big deal here is that obviously he's one of the most beloved athletes in the history of that city, uh, across all the major sports franchises, but does this make sense baseball wise to you? I think it does. I mean, we've seen, you know, over the last couple of years, a ton of guys being extended well into their upper 30s. And I think if you look at Altuve and kind of how he's built, like the things that he's doing are going to – he's a hitter, man. This guy's a hitter. I know he's short in stature, listed at 5'6". Chris, he's second in postseason home runs ever. Mm-hmm. By the end of his career, he's going to be the most prolific power hitter in MLB postseason history, and he's five six. I love everything about this. You know, we just talk about we talked about it yesterday with Bobby Witt about you know you need your face. He's been the face to the the Astros for so long. And I think part of the reason, obviously, his excellent play, like on the field, you have to be a good player to do that. But I think a lot of people can relate to him, an underdog, uh, a guy that wasn't supposed to be there. You know, the story about him getting told to get away. Uh, and then he comes back the second day, and he's an Astro for life. Now, he's not even has a quote today. Uh, Bob Nightingale just tweeted it out. He says, when I got called up in 2011, they told me it was something temporary until they fa- until they found another second baseman. Like, people can relate to that. And, like, he's just done I, – I know there is the 2017 thing, um, but he has done everything right. Even during that season, I like to remind people of this. I just said this on Talking Baseball. He wasn't. He did not want to use the system. Now, did he benefit from it? Sure, but he didn't want to use the system. I don't think that should tarnish anything. Like as far as like Hall of Fame or anything like that. This guy, to me, is probably going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer, and I can't say enough about him. Just playing against him, knowing him as a person like that, he's always been great. What he does in the field is special, man. So, for me, baseball wise, it makes sense to answer your question. Yes, but also just in every other facet um of the baseball world off the field what he represents all these things make a lot of sense i'm happy he's going to be a national for life so there's two separate categories here there's the national perspective uh, a certain fan faction of which will never forgive him from what transpired in 2017 and so you'll hear all the jokes about oh yeah let's make a statue and let's send a picture of uh, a trash can next to jose altuve and that's fine and that's cute and whatever I- i've never told anybody over the last several years since the accusations uh first came out how to feel right that's your feeling you can i've gotten past it i know ploof has gotten past it uh there's a certain faction of 
fans outside of Houston that have gotten past it, and there's some that will never get past it. And so anytime you bring up the name Jose Altuve, the first thing they're going to think of is the cheating scandal. Perfectly fine. Now you go to what's more important in his eyes, I do believe, and that's his standing in the city of Houston. I don't know how many other athletes are greater in the history of that entire city. I mean, maybe Akeem Olajuwon, um, possibly a Warren Moon. I mean, you have to go back quite a ways uh, in order to figure out certain guys that that have had the standing of a Jose Altuve in this city. And by the time this deal is done, he will have played 19 years. A guy like Craig Biggio played 20 in an Astros uniform. Jeff Bagwell got 15 before injuries ended his uh, future Hall of Fame career there. So you're talking about a guy who's going, in my opinion, he's going to leapfrog those two in the history of the sport because of the team success that he has brought. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I mean, look, you're always going to mention him in the same breath as those two guys, which I think is already awesome enough for him. But yeah, he's go. I think he's going to be at the end, you know, he's going to be the Astro that we remember, especially mm-hmm. this generation. Yeah. So once again, let's get back to the baseball side of things. Three of the last four full seasons, and so this doesn't include the pandemic shortened 2020 season, his OPS has been better than 900. The thing I love most about this contract is you go, oh, my God, they're going to pay him another $125 million. They're paying him $15 million signing bonus reportedly started out. Then in 25, 26, and 27, he's going to get $30 million a year. I still expect him to be productive. Is he always going to be a 900 OPS guy? I, I don't in know. postseason, yes. Right, and I guess that's all that matters for him. And then in the final two years of the contract, uh, $10 million each in 28 and 29. So by the time he gets older, his salary comes way, way down. To me, the most interesting aspect of this is because, remember, he was going to be a free agent at the end of this season. What does it mean for the future of Alex Bregman? I don't know. It seems to me like they – have a gut feeling? I, I don't think Bregman is back. I think he's going to join that list of guys that has left and, and they haven't skipped a beat, even though they've let go of some of like the best players in baseball, George Springer, Carlos Correa, Zach Greenkey, uh, Garrett Cole. Like they did that and kept winning. I think he, I'd love to see him stay there. I, I, I love those two manning the infield. I think that's awesome. But I think that he, he's going to cost a, a lot of money too. And they have to figure out Kyle Tucker and what they're going to do with Framber and, and some of these young guys. So I think, I think Bregman ends up playing somewhere else next year. How about that? Um, and I don't think that's like a slight on him. I don't think it's like a, a he's been a problem or anything like that. I think he's almost just as beloved in Houston as Jose Altuve. Now, nationally, I think that's a, a different story. But uh, in Houston, I feel like they feel the same way about these guys. But I, I think that I don't I, I don't see him playing in that same uniform, which is which is kind of sad to me. Because he's done a lot for them. He's been in some big, big moments for them. Um, but I think he ultimately joins that list of players that leaves Houston. I would agree with you. Uh, I think Kyle Tucker is really the interesting one because he's significantly younger than both Bregman, who's not even 30 yet, and Altuve, who's about to turn 34 this upcoming season. One last baseball point I will make about Jose Altuve. He's 953 hits shy of 3,000. As long as he stays healthy, he's going to have a really, really legitimate shot. The guy does not like to walk. He likes to swing that stick. Um, And if so, he would be the second guy to have ever collected 3,000 hits in an Astros uniform. Of course, Greg 
Craig Biggio got there several years ago. So that's just something else to put in your back pocket as this contract moves forward for Jose Altuve. Uh, Speaking of franchise icons, Clayton Kershaw reportedly will be back with the Dodgers for a 17th season. He's coming off of left shoulder surgery, so we don't know exactly what month he'll be available. Now, with the additions and returns from injuries, how important is the future Hall of Famer to L.A.'s starting rotation? I think he's pretty important. I mean, we know what he's done in the past, but speaking specifically on this year, they have a lot of inexperience and also like kind of injury risk type guys in that rotation. We keep talking about throughout the league. Like I think the way that you structure a rotation is, is already started to change. I think it's going to continue to go that way. I think we're going to end up having the Dodgers are going to have to have a six man rotation with Shohei comes back next year. But I think most teams are going to start having that six, maybe even a seven man type rotation where we're getting guys, you know, piggybacking, you know, we're looking for the 150 inning, mark instead of the 180 to 200 uh, inning mark. So what what I'd say about the Dodgers rotation, Yamamoto, stud, he's going to be good, but we never see to throw a major league pitch. So there's some uncertainty there. Uh, Bueller's coming back from injury. Bob Miller's a young guy. Um, Tyler Glasnow's an, like an injury type of pitcher. I mean, he's a great pitcher, but he has injury history. Uh, then you got the young guys of the upper level minor leagues that are going to be, you know, competing for the back end of the rotation as well. It's just more depth. I think this is the way the Dodgers have been approaching it over the past few seasons and the way teams are probably going to approach it more and more going forward. So to have a guy like Clayton Kershaw, who you can just call up every single year and and say, Hey, you're going to pitch for us at some point. It's nice because look at his numbers still, Chris, people, people will always point to the postseason and what the baby snakes did to him. This postseason was tough. Mm -hmm. I left a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth again, but go back to the regular season and see what he does. And he's just, he's, he might be the best left-handed pitcher like ever. He's one of them. So I, I just I think it's great for the Dodgers. I think he's going to be obviously a Dodger for life. It seems to me like that whole Texas Rangers thing is not going to happen. Mm-hmm. It's like he's going to be a Dodger for life until he doesn't want to pitch anymore. He has the option, a player option. We don't know the parameters yet, but we know there's a player option there for 2025, which he's going to pick up so he can pitch with Shohei and do that whole thing. Uh, I'm excited for the Dodgers. This is a, a move that we all saw coming. Uh, but now that it's here, it's just makes them a better team. Well, it's like a deadline deal acquisition. I, yeah. I mean, I don't expect him to pitch until the second half of the year, sometime in July. I'm no doctor, but you know, if him you and Dustin that, May coming back just all all of a sudden in July could be very nice for them. So, yeah. what do the Dodgers need out of Clayton Kershaw at this point of his career? Uh, I would say they need some innings to protect themselves in the back half of the season. The Dodgers are going to make the playoffs. It's just a question of what they do in the month of October. Really, that's that's it. There's only a handful of teams you can look at that way in Major League Baseball, and they're at the top of the list because I think they've got the most questions. I don't think I've ever seen a more talented yet question mark-filled rotation. Um, if Clayton Kershaw is healthy, and if the rest of these guys, meaning Yamamoto, Glasnow, Bobby Miller, Walker Bueller, are all healthy, does Clayton Kershaw even get a start in October? That's that's a great question. I was thinking about that uh, earlier today. Like, what happens if they have all these guys healthy? I, I, I'd say no. I'd say no. I'd say that he maybe uh, some sort of a piggyback issue. Maybe he starts the game and goes through the first three uh, left-handed hitters or something like that. Isn't that crazy? It's not that crazy. It's not. It's not. No. You just said two minutes ago that he's arguably the greatest left-handed pitcher we've seen in the sport. But the thoughts of you're like, I'm not so sure he could start game one, two, three, or four. It's 
I'm not saying he can't start him. I don't think that um, the velocity is the issue for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's dipped down a lot. And when you get into the postseason, it's really about like, you know, a couple runs. Who's going to pop you with the big three-run homer? And as your velocity dips down, the chances of you give him homers are are higher. So that's kind of where my mind is at. Um, I do think he's very valuable during the regular season. I think he will contribute during the playoffs. If he does start, it's with a short leash and a piggyback type role, in my opinion. It's crazy. It is crazy to say that. And I wonder if it's part it was it was part of the contractual discussions. Like Clayton's no dummy. He sees who they added at the top of the rotation, and he was doing the math just like I did it as well. Do you think he asked the Dodgers? Hey, when we make it to October, if everybody's healthy and if everybody's pitching well, do you see a spot for me? I don't know if that came up. It's definitely in, it's definitely in his head. And I, from what I know and have heard about Clayton Kershaw, I think he'd be okay with whatever role they put him in at this point in his career. Be interesting. I'm just happy. I didn't want the last image of him to be him looking over his shoulder at you know balls flying off the wall or over the fence. I mean, where he gave up six runs to the Diamondbacks in a third of an inning. And I know that social media was very unkind to him yesterday. And it's not social media is not the real world all the time. But damn, man, it's brutal. Like, what's the guy done wrong? He's been great. He's good. the best ERA of any starting pitcher in the sports history at two four eight during the regular season, and it blows up to almost four and a half in the postseason. I get it. He has to live with those facts and everything else. And he only has a ring and a, uh, a shortened season. The whole, but man, oh man, there is so much hate flying around him for that. There's some validity to it, Chris. Like you have to look at the numbers eventually. Mm-hmm. You know, you give the, We've given King Kershaw the benefit of the doubt a lot because he's earned that 100%. But yeah, the playoff starts just haven't been great. Nope. And again, like, I don't think it's been too fluky. Last year, I had to ask Evan Longoria if they had something on him. Because the way they were taking swings on his pitches, he told me no. Could have been lying to me, but like eventually, you're making baseball decisions. And I don't think if all of those guys are pitching to their potential, I don't think Clayton. I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see, man. I got to see him throw this year. I don't know. Yep. He's gonna have a two-two in the regular season, Chris. He pitched great during the regular season a year ago. He pitched great in his twenty-four starts. It's or very hard to talk about for me. Because I feel like if I'm being honest, I'm I'm almost to. degrading one of the best pitchers we've ever seen in the game. But you kind of have to look at it objectively a little bit, right? Especially if you're the Dodgers front office. Well, I mean, how many guys finish on top, particularly pitchers? It goes quickly. Ron Darling told me, man, he woke up one day and all of a sudden he was throwing poop soup up out there in Oakland. You know, and and he was not, obviously never nearly as dominant as a guy like Clayton Kershaw. But it has happened to everybody else who has been a great – I mean, with Pedro Martinez at the end of his career, one of the great, great pitchers in the history of this sport, you're like, oh, man, are they really going to trot Pedro out there again? And it happens. So we'll see. It's just another storyline for Dodger Blue this year. All right. Uh, the other day we told you not only about Bobby Witt on this live show, but then we did another special broadcast when he ended up signing that 11-year uh, extension for almost $289 million. over 14 years. It could jump all the way up almost to $378 million. So he actually told the media the other day that he is inspired by Kansas City's football team, which is a little busy this weekend. Shows you how supportive all the fans are, how the people in Kansas City are, and 
you see what they're doing kind of across the street with the fan bases over there. We want to get that kind of back to over here in blue. And so that's definitely the goal. And we're just going to keep working to get better each and every day, each and every year. And so I'm really looking forward to just kind of being here. Now, I know we did a special uh, breaking news edition of Baseball Today to focus on this, but I do just want to give him a little bit more love here. Uh, I think it's awesome. And you, you really forget how young he is. He's not even 24 yet. He is the same age as my oldest son, Josh. And I look at him like, I was like walking around the house yesterday looking at Josh like, why couldn't you sign like a $278 million extension <laughs> right now, bro? But I think, I think it's great for him and it's great for the city. I, I mean, I do too. We, we we did go into you know extent about what he means and what he can mean to the city and how Kansas City needs someone to rally around, uh, and he's the guy. Yeah, they've they've established that. In fact, I want to play you a quick little video of he and I. I don't know if he's married or it's his girlfriend or whomever it is. I apologize for not knowing who it is. But he walked into the stadium for his press conference. This is the reaction from all of the Royals employees. Just keep rolling that, Dan. Look at the look on his face. Like, I think it hit him, and he realizes now how important he is to this organization. He's like a little sheepish almost. I mean, he's a humble kid, dude. Humble kid with immense talent. He looks great, by the way. Check this suit out. I always kind of go there. He's got the nice, like, light blue suede shoes on with the navy suit. Very good look. Uh, He does everything right, man. That's why they give him this money. They've done their their due diligence on him. All right. So now that we've given Bobby Witt Jr. uh, the love that he deserves, I will ask you this. Which young gun should be the next to get a mega deal? Maybe not as rich as 278 or 300 plus million dollars, but should maybe get a nice nine-figure contract. There is actually a lot of people that I would... I I think organizations need to continue to do stuff Mm -hmm. like this. Uh, So there's the Orioles you can talk about. You can talk about Gunner. You can talk about Adley. You can talk about Jackson Holiday. You can talk about Evan Carter with the Rangers. I'm going to let you do some of those. You know, I already mentioned who I think this needs to happen with. It's my guy in Minnesota, Royce Lewis. Mm-hmm. Good one. Uh, he's 24, turning 25 this year. He's come up and been uh, – he's had an injury history. But when he's been on the field, he's been nothing short of spectacular. And they love him in Minnesota. He got the largest pop of any player at Twins Fest. Um, they are really playing him up to be kind of the next face of the franchise, even when they have Bucks in there, even when they just signed Carlos Correa to a long-term deal. And I want to – he came out last during player introductions for the Twins, which I think is a big deal because usually they save that for the biggest guy. I want to say that Carlos Correa and Buxton got together and said, Royce is going to be in the back. Mm-hmm. I really think that happened because – we keep talking about you know those two guys at the head of the franchise there. They know that Royce is going to be one of those guys, and they're actually trying to help him out, which I think is a great thing about Carlos and Buck as well. Uh, but this guy, is I mean, his numbers are incredible. I looked at the splits. He's better against right-handed pitchers than left-handed pitchers. 939 career OPS against righties, 825 against left-handed pitchers. That's going to even out a little bit more. He's platoon-proof. Um, he's learning to play you know defense still at the third base side. I think he's going to get better there. He's got so much athleticism. He's got the, he's got the pedigree, the draft pedigree. He's got like the charisma. He's got the talent. So I think that I don't know if it's gonna be as rich as a Bobby Witt Jr.'s extension, but maybe it could be. I mean, he's done just as well as Bobby Witt Jr. in the time that he's playing. Uh-uh, uh-uh. No, he hasn't. I mean, the defense, the speed, all that doesn't play as, as a hitter. 
Royce Lewis has been very, very good, C. Rose. He's been great, and he scares the hell out of me as a guy who has whose team has to compete against him. And I would agree with you that he – but let's not put him on the Bobby Wood. Bobby Wood Jr. has played two full seasons. Royce Lewis hasn't given us a full season yet. Bobby Wood Jr. has had one good half of baseball. But he one, played two full I'm seasons. just saying he's had one great half of baseball. Don't Don't put him into this thing where, like, he just made that leap. Like they're they're I, I, they're taking a risk on this a little bit. I think they've established they data wise that he's the kind of guy that they can build around and be the guy. But I think you'd say the exact same thing about Royce Lewis. Their baseball savant pages aren't too different, zeros. Hey, listen, I would be willing to bet that Royce Lewis might even have a better career. Now he does not run obviously the way that Bobby Witt can, so that is a dimension that Bobby Witt adds that not a lot of young guys do. But I am a huge fan of Royce Lewis. Uh, I love the way he carries himself. His attitude, everything about him, he just feels like it, whatever it yeah. is. And I would agree with you that he's worthy of an extension. I'm just saying that maybe a little bit of the injury history is something that might bring that number down. And it gets me to my guy. It's not any of the dudes you listed. And the two in Baltimore would be certainly be at the top of the train. Um, not that that's an expression, but I just. Top of the train? Anyway. Yeah, top of the train. Yeah. Head of the train. On top of the track. You understand what I'm saying. Adley Rutschman, who just turned 26 the other day. Get this deal done. Uh, to me, that seems like a no-brainer, particularly with new ownership coming in. He is your unquestioned leader. He gives out the best hugs to any pitching staff ever, and he's an over 800 OPS guy from both sides of the plate as a switch-hitting power-hitting catcher that could give you 20, 22 homers a year. Perfect. Uh, Gunnar Henderson, I just read the other day, is represented by Scott Boris. I'm not so sure that he ends up following the Altuve train on the tracks because he is also a Boris client and Altuve reportedly was the one who pushed for these multiple extensions before he ever hit free agency. I don't know if Gunnar Henderson has that in him. So I'm going to go with a guy who is also calling the American League Central home, Riley Green. I have been a huge fan of his. He's had even weirder injury history, in my opinion, than Royce Lewis, right? At the beginning of the 2022 season, he was going to break uh, camp with the team. Instead, he like fouls a ball off his foot and breaks his foot. Last year, he broke his fibula. Uh, and then at the end of the season, he dives for a ball. They don't know what's wrong with his elbow. He has to have Tommy John surgery on his non-throwing elbow. So he's actually coming back from that right now. I think the Tigers, who just extended Cole Keith, even though he's never had a major league at bat yet, could get in the low nine figures with a guy like Riley Green and really make out in this deal. Because I believe in this guy being a five-tool player. I mean, he really is. His savant page is also a beautiful thing to to watch, and he has all the potential in the world. I I, I like that, C. Rosie, and I think that the Tigers probably similar to what the Royals just did with him. They need like a beacon of hope type player to rally around. You know, they gave Javi Baez that deal, which is just so so strange. It was strange then; it's even stranger now. They need a guy. Like you always said, that you can actually buy a jersey where the name is stitched in the back and not Velcroed. I, I think this might be the guy. It was supposed to be Torkelson and, and some of the other guys, some of the pitchers. Um, but when you watch Riley Green play, you know he's going to be a big leaguer for a long time. Now it's just where do the numbers end up. And, and I, don't think he'd, I don't think he'd approach where Bobby Witt just got or maybe even right. what a Royce Lewis would get. But he is younger than both of them. And, uh, yeah, I, I could see that happening. Uh, by the way, Feo in the chat says, sometimes you got to ride atop the D train on the tracks. Yes. That's a quote from Chris Rose. Thanks. I guess I'll never live that one down. So there you go. 
Uh, throw in the chat, by the way, if you're watching live or you're watching this later on, uh, who you would give a nine-figure extension to because there's a ton of really, really good players out there. All right. Ploof hates this story, but I really thought that it was an important thing to get in the show today because every A's story that we've done this offseason has dealt with their proposed move to Las Vegas, which is supposed to happen in 2028. However, Vegas Mayor Carolyn Goodman, she was on with Front Office Sports on their podcast and said they originally proposed a landing zone of a new stadium in the historic part of town, which would have been between 60 and 100 acres. Instead, they're dealing with like a nine-acre you know, area on a 30-acre plot next to the Tropicana to build this, uh, this stadium in. Um, so the city came up with this one proposal. Here, build it in this historic area where these seven freeways all converge and we're going to get a ton of traffic and you get all these people. Apparently, according to the mayor, that didn't sit well with the A's and there was a reason why. When they said no, I thought, hmm, this doesn't make sense. And so why is it happening? And then I thought, well, because they really want to stay in Oakland. They want to be on the water. They have that magnificent dream, and yet they can't get it. Would it be a good thing if the A's do, in fact, move to the Tropicana? I personally, I'm not talking about anybody else anywhere else in this community. I personally think they've got to figure out a way to stay in Oakland to make their dream come true. All right, hold on. That is a mayor. That is saying, she then came out with a, a statement later in the day and said, listen, if it happens, we would welcome them with open arms. But I believe it's their dream to stay in Oakland. What the hell's going on here? I don't believe anything that was just said, to be honest with you. I don't think it is their dream to stay in Oakland. I don't think that. I don't want to be like mean, and I'm not like a super political person. I don't really know who has all the power. I don't think the mayor has a ton of power. In, as far as like landscape, or excuse me, uh, land development in a city. I just don't. I think there's special interest groups that really control all that stuff. I think this is all political posturing. I think everything that the A's come out and say is that. I think everything that the, the politicians come out and say is that. So they're going to be in Vegas. Now, I kind of agree with her. If I am the A's, I'd want the bigger space so I can build my own stuff around the ballpark. Instead of relying on the strip or whatever to, you know, service, uh, you know, the Las Vegas uh, residents that are going to come to the games, I'd rather build my own stuff. I'd rather build my own casinos. I'd rather build my own hotels and bars and stuff around, make an entertainment district. But, you know, I, I don't know, who, who am I? I don't have billions of dollars to throw around like that. I just don't think that any, like, all the stuff I hear, I just, whatever, whatever. The A's are going to be in Vegas. Where it's going to be, I don't know. I just still think they're right now at the stage they're in. They're just, it's just posturing for leverage. That's all I, that's all I think about when I hear this and maybe I'm wrong, but they're going to be in Vegas people. They're not, they're not staying in Oakland. They're not. All I can tell you is this, is that whenever a franchise has moved in any of the four major sports, I have never heard the most high ranking local politician say, yeah, they're probably better off where they're coming from. I mean, have you ever, I'm, I've never heard it. Not once have I ever heard. They're usually like, you know what? We're going to roll out the red carpet. We can't wait for this to happen. We're going to work in conjunction with the team and the executives and the ownership and make sure that this all gets done. Yes, we're going to protect the public sector to make sure they're not overpaying. And oh, by the way, there is still a huge lawsuit that's going on uh, with the teachers union where they, they filed a lawsuit uh, against the state and the governor of Nevada as well. So th this is really getting sticky 
but I've never seen like the public disdain. Do we even know if the A's are wanted by the people down there? Do we know if they're going to wrap their arms around them the way they have the Golden Knights and the the Raiders? I don't. I'm not getting that feeling one bit. I mean, I'm not really either. And have they really wrapped their arms around the Raiders? Yes, the Golden Knights. I I, I said that last time. I, I made a mistake of saying they need to change the name of the A's, which I think like what I meant to say was I think an expansion team would do yes. better than a new team, than an old team coming in and just being the Las Vegas A's. Yeah, th- that part I would agree with. This is something that we're going to have to keep our eye on. I, I hate bringing it up, and I know that you hate it. You're like, do we have to talk about it? To me, I felt like it was important because the governor or the uh, the mayor of Las Vegas ended up saying something about it. All right, we got some uh, breaking news on Wednesday morning when everybody woke up that Major League Baseball has a joint venture with Netflix where they're going to do a quasi kind of hard knocks following the Boston Red Sox from spring training all the way through the conclusion of the 2024 season. Now, the thing that's going to be different, why it's not a true hard knocks is you're not going to see it um, until 2025. So the season will have been done and then we're going to get a taste of, of what actually transpired for an entire season. What is your gut feeling? Are you excited about it? Are you curious or are you looking at it with kind of a hmm, not so sure lens? I mean, if it gets treated like hard knocks and they have a lot of, you know, different access like that, I think it's going to be fascinating. I think it's an interesting time for them to choose the Red Sox. I don't know how long this has been in talks, but like they're, aren't they like predicted to finish last in the AL East this year? And they've had so yep. many awesome years to do this. And now you're kind of picking one where the fans are pissed at the ownership. Like it's a, it's a very, uh, tumultuous time I, I would say like in red Sox nation so I, I'm, I'm interested in that i think this is good i think baseball is needed to do this i actually had this talk with uh, one of my buddies a couple of weeks ago about like we like how much more do we need the main streaming services to focus on baseball like there's so many great sports documentaries out there but the, none really on baseball like we need that i think that drives people to the sport uh, and to do it with the red Sox this year is a little interesting i think it's gonna be good no matter what like there's personalities on that team and sometimes you know maybe it is better to show a team going through struggles and you know some team that's kind of riding easily through the um the season so i'm gonna watch it i think that's gonna be awesome i will say this and i want to give a shout out to the people uh twins organization i know people i get it they have a show called the diamond that is on their youtube channel that's about as all access as you can get and they do a really really good job so if you're interested in that type of stuff go check that out first and that will you know bring you into the season uh and yeah i think everyone should watch this i don't know when it's gonna be released but uh just because yeah, we've never really done this in baseball i think it's very interesting that's where you're wrong we have done this in baseball showtime did it with the san francisco giants i want to say maybe in 2011 or 2012 they followed them certainly during spring training and i don't remember if they did it at all during the year really uh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was it was certainly over a decade ago. I don't remember exactly the year they did it. And it was okay. And remember, the Giants had some quirky personalities yeah. back then, particularly on their pitching staff. This one will be interesting. Uh, I understand why Major League Baseball has the appetite for it because they see have seen what uh, Netflix has done for the likes of F1. Uh, there's been a one an amazing golf series. Tennis. Uh, and NASCAR right now that's going on. Now I I'll be the first one to admit that I haven't watched the NASCAR one yet, but those are, those are individual sports. 
Now we're getting into the team aspect, which is really, really different. Um, you know how long the baseball season can get. And here's one thing I'm fascinated by that is, this is really inside baseball. The Red Sox have the smallest, physically, the smallest facilities in the sport. The clubhouses suck. The home yes. clubhouse is horrible. You can barely move in there. So now we're talking about adding camera crews to every home stand. Now I know that it's not the big lights and everything else. Everything has become miniature, but it's still more people. It's more access. And if the Red Sox have lost seven of eight, you know, for the third time in May, by May, you think they're going to be like, oh, this is great. Nice to see you again. Who's going to be the star of this? That's what I want to know. Like, they don't really, I mean, look, yeah, I know Rafael Devers is there and Trevor Story, and they have some young guys that they really like. Lucas will help out. Lucas, I love Lucas. Is he a star that's like. He's so different. He's so, the way he goes about life, I think he'll edit really well, to be honest. Sure. I'm not saying they don't have people that are going to play well on camera, but like, you can't sell this as like this person in the Red Sox. It's like literally like the Red Sox. I guess it will be Devers, right? Yeah, Devers is. But is a, he like an outspoken, like charismatic type guy? Like they they're a year too late. They could have had Justin Turner, that would have helped them. Uh, it's gonna be interesting. I, I, again, I'm gonna watch it. I think it's gonna be yeah. cool. I wish they. I hope they continue to do this. It's just an interesting time to pick the Red Sox. Yeah, yeah, and they say that it's gonna be a lot of outside of the clubhouse stuff too. Uh, and it's not going to focus on baseball. It's going to focus on the people, the human beings, that aspect, which is all good. I mean, all that stuff is really important. Anything that can help the sport, I'm just really curious to see how it plays out. And we're probably not going to see it for another year. So that's yeah. the, that, I really wish that they could come out with at least one per month during the season. I don't know why that can't happen. I think that would be fascinating. I love the in-season hard knocks that they just did with the Miami Dolphins. I thought those have been really good in years past. We saw it with the Arizona Cardinals and the Indianapolis Colts. Those were excellent, in my opinion, better than the preseason hard knocks. But we'll see how this one goes. So there you go. Once again, we want to thank everybody who joined us live in the chat. The numbers have been great so far through the first two shows. Uh, at some point in March, we're going to be kicking this back off to five days a week. I know Ploof and I have to discuss that. We'll see when that is. But that will certainly be happening, I imagine, after we shoot another Warehouse Games thing that's going to be coming up sometime in the near future. Yes, sir. Go ahead, caller. Yeah, just uh, before we end the show, my uh, comrade, Jake Storiali, talking Jake, feeling a little bit under the weather today. Aww. So we said uh, on Talking Baseball, I want all our baseball today people to do this as well. Go hit him up on X Twitter hmm. and say, hope you feel better, big guy. Hmm. That's Sorry, exactly I... what I want you to tweet at him. Okay. okay? So feel better, big guy. Feel better, big guy. I just did waken Jake yesterday. I'm not going to get sick, am I? Because I was on the same. I'm, I'm always sick of his shit. So whatever. Ah, well played. Well played. Hey, if there's breaking news over the next couple of days, you know where to find us. We'll hit you up live. So make sure you keep that alerts button handy for us. You, you'll get those things all the time. For our one-of-a-kind producer, Dan Rourke, who's been busting his ass over the last few days getting these shows ready. And for the uber-talented Trevor Plouffe. I am Chris Rose. Thanks again for tuning in to Baseball Today.